Uh, please go to John 13, starting at verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am I, going, what am I doing, uh, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answer, answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but it is completely cleaned. And, he, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his, uh, his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have, what I have done to you? You call, me your, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I, I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you, should, you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life practice. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to just uh, touch our hearts today. Touch Pastor Randy's heart as he speak your word. And let us hear you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. And... Uh, Worship team and everyone, thank you for being here, being a part of things today. Let me just mention to you, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump to uh, the, the slide that has a few suggestions for you. As you know, Lent uh, is beginning. It's a season where you can really kind of reconnect with the Lord, and usually that's done through making some sort of sacrifice of uh, whatever you choose, and then living up to that as you move forward throughout the season. It begins on Ash Wednesday and goes through uh, the Easter service that happens on March 31st, and that's coming a lot quicker than we realize, so it's going to be here soon, uh, but uh, there are eight suggestions I've got up here that you can choose whatever it might be. 
that you would like to participate in, uh, whether that's a specific prayer time where you get up early or you do your lunch break a little different than you normally do. Maybe you're fasting from social media or no TV Tuesdays or whatever it might be. It's something maybe uh, that you want to read the two different Gospels before Easter. I would recommend Matthew and John and, you know, different things like that. And I'm not putting all eight of these up there to let you be some super Christian, okay? Don't, don't try to do all eight of these, all right? But maybe there's one or two of those that are jumping out to you and you say, you know, there's some things that are going on in my life and my life is going in a direction or maybe it's not going anywhere <laughs> that you want. And so you want to just take a little bit of time and during this season of the year, it comes around every year uh, to just maybe take a little bit more time to focus on the Lord and a little less time to focus on self and being entertained and all of the different things that we do in our normal everyday life. And so I would recommend, here's eight different suggestions, choose one or two uh, and uh, get in there and make this Lent season something that draws you closer to the Lord and gives you that opportunity. I'll be sharing that over the next couple of weeks, but uh, it, it's not going to necessarily change, but sometimes the audience changes and sometimes the window for you to really hear from the Lord changes from week to week to week. Last week, you're not necessarily really feeling it, but yet today, maybe the Spirit of the Lord is moving on your heart and touching you in a way that says, you know what, this is for you, not just simply for someone else. And also, uh, if you're interested, you can also grab one of these, which is a copy of a four-month reading plan and it doesn't have to be done before uh, Easter, but uh, you can pick up anywhere you'd like and then use one of these pieces of paper to just mark off as you go through and by four months you will have read through the entire New Testament what a lot of people never accomplish in their whole entire life. So it's right here at the front and you can be a part of that. All right, so we are coming kind of towards the end of Forward, the, the, uh, the teaching series that we began this year uh, talking about starting and sustaining momentum. And I want to just share a few things with you. I want to to talk a little bit about where we've been. So if you will jump forward a little bit there, Colin, <laughs> pun intended, all right, go all the way to number nine if you don't mind. I want to talk about where we've been and then we'll backtrack. Uh, you know, this is where we've been. We've been talking about changing your mindset, whether that's through scripture or refocusing on certain things. We've talked about forgiving others and forgiving yourself to use that backpack analogy. Uh, we talked about that on that particular Sunday. And then last week, we talked a little bit about setting goals and maintaining that momentum as we begin. And today, we're gonna talk a little bit about moving forward in your relationships. Um, as you know, this past Wednesday was our time to kind of express love and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I sound so much like a man, don't I? Yeah, I mean, love and all that stuff, you know, moving on. So, poor Shelly. I mean, she thought she was marrying a romantic because I knew how to shed a tear. I just don't know how to buy flowers. That's the problem, right? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. But uh, we've been together for such a long time, it can always be a good thing to be reminded to be thankful and grateful for the relationships we have. But let me just remind you, this is not about a marriage uh, situation, although it can be. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about moving forward in your relationships. And if you read today uh, the, the email that we sent out, you understand something that I'm going to kind of correlate. And this is the pressure point. And here's what I mean by that. Most of the time when you are spiritually going in the wrong direction, the pressure point comes in your relationships. That's where you will feel it first. 
It's in your relationships that you will feel it first. It doesn't mean that that's the biggest problem. It doesn't mean that that's the only problem. It means that's the problem that will probably raise the red flag first. How many of you guys have ever heard of the canary in the coal mine? Have you all ever heard that story before? If you don't know what the canary in the coal mine is, back in the day, they didn't have all these fancy gadgets or whatever it might be that could measure harmful air. And so the concept was, was they would literally take a bird, a canary, down into the coal mine because of its small size and its sensitivity to air that was dangerous, the canary would die before any of the miners would begin to feel the problems that were going on with the air. And so that was the pressure point. They would hear the canary tweeting and, you know, not, not tweeting, but tweeting, okay? And so as it was doing its thing and you could hear it and then suddenly it goes silent, they turned to look in the cage and see if the canary was still alive. If the canary was no longer alive, they would begin to sound the alarm and say, we need to get out because we've got a real problem. We can't feel it yet, but there is a real problem in what we're doing. You guys with me? So here's what I'm sharing with you today. In your relationships, whether that be in your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with friends, whatever it might be, this is the first sign that shows you that something is off in your spiritual life. So take this as the canary in the coal mine and also take this as an opportunity to shore up those things that will probably make it feel more like you're moving forward in your life than anything else. Because the truth be told, you guys know it as well as I know it. If everything's going good in your life but your relationships are just really not going well, it's hard to feel like a success. It's hard to feel like you're gaining any ground. And so as we share today the idea uh, of the relationships and making that something that moves forward, this will be something that will pay dividends for you as you feel it a little bit more, but understand there's more at work than just simply getting good at relationships. All right, so we talked last week a little bit about keystone habits. And I actually uh, had a, a, a slide up here uh, for the keystone habits, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, if you can see it here, these eight keystone habits that transform your life, the idea of a keystone habit is, is it's more than just simply a habit that, you know, is standing alone. If we go to this next slide, you'll see it. Charles Duhigg, the author of The Power of Habits, calls a keystone habit something that is correlated with other good habits. For example, regular exercise often goes hand in hand with better eating habits. The one affects the other. And one of the most important keystone habits is the idea of meditating and spending time with God or with Scripture so we understand more of how we're uh, moving in the world as well as how we are in relation to the Lord. Keystone habits don't create a direct cause and effect relationship, but they spark chain reactions that help other good habits to take hold. So it's important for you as you move forward. And here are our list of eight keystone habits from this business magazine. You can see they're having family dinners. And now we're right back here in this sweet spot. If you're struggling in your family relationship, if your kids seem distant, this is where you begin. Having family dinners. Now, let me just be clear about this, okay? Having family dinners doesn't mean 
Yes, pass the peas, right? You know, these don't belong at a family dinner. Uh, sorry, don't mean to meddle, but not, that goes for you parents too, right? Get rid of these, sit down, have discussions and talk with your family. Connect with them and let them know that for at least 20 to 30 minutes on a daily basis, they are the most important thing and the most important people in your life. And it can be done. I promise you, this is something that... <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. This is something we did a lot, and we miss it like crazy now. It is a special event now when my kids get to come back and be at my dinner table. And I'd do it every single day if they were close by, if I could. But my chance is gone. Your chance might not be. Take advantage while you can. This is something that will pay huge dividends for your kids as well as for you as well as for your family. And you can see here the meditating is another keystone habit, whether that's prayer or scripture, or that mindset that you have. All of those areas change and begin to have a ripple effect as they go outward and become something that matters in more than just one area. So we've talked about where we've been, and I shared this last week, and i got to be honest with you, I know I've got at least a couple of Rush fans in here. Uh, y'all noticed I had the Rush up there on the screen. A few of you guys were like, yeah. One of y'all uh, said it was one of my top five sermons ever, not because of anything else I said, but because I put Rush and a quote from one of their songs on the screen. But I'm doing it again. I know I'm desperate for your approval and your affection. So here we go. Let's talk about these atomic habits as we shared from last week and uh, in the middle screen will be the rush uh, quote from the song that I like a lot. It's called Marathon. It says, you can do a lot in a lifetime if you don't burn out too fast. You got to make the most of the distance and first you need endurance and first you've got to last. So that's important. Here is what I shared with you last week. The Atomic Habits book is this. The secret to getting results that last is to never stop making improvements. It's remarkable what you can build if you just don't stop. It's remarkable the business you can build if you don't stop working. It's remarkable the body you can build if you don't stop training. It's remarkable the knowledge that you can build. Uh, and then on the next slide it says, if you don't stop learning. It's remarkable the fortune that you can build if you don't stop saving. It's remarkable the friendships you can build if you don't stop caring. Small habits don't add up, they compound. And that's the power of atomic habits. Tiny changes remarkable results and so I encourage you this is so true it's just not about burning out and doing so much today that you can't get back to that place and instead making small improvements over and over again but here's what I want to share with you about the big idea today and I hope that this will be something that you will remember and I'm going to share it a couple of times and then we'll share it together but it's on our next slide here you cannot feel movement forward unless you make strides in your relationships. I've already talked a lot about this. I've already talked about the canary in the coal mine. This is the pressure point you will feel first, but you will not feel that movement forward if the relationships continue to struggle. So I encourage you, make this a priority that you attack and tackle. So on the count of three, would you guys read this out loud with me? Ready? One, two, three. You cannot feel movement forward unless you make strides in your relationships. So before I go any further, this is all pretty, um, I guess, I would just say it's all pretty nebulous stuff so far. Relationships, relationships, relationships. That's, 
something that feels like it talks about so many different people, but here's what I want to do to bring it to you and to me. There's probably at least one relationship that you have that you know is not where you want it to be. Now, that could be a relationship with the Lord. That could be a relationship with your child. That could be a relationship with your parent or a friend. It could be a relationship with your boss. It could be a relationship with your spouse. There's lots of different ones. I'm not here to preach about your spouse or even the Lord just in that very narrow direction. What I'm here to ask you to do is to think for just a moment. When I say you've probably got a relationship that needs some attention, whose face comes to mind first? Because more than likely, there's at least one face that comes to your mind where you're reminded, you know what? I really do need to give some attention to that relationship because it's not going as it should or where I want it to be. And so I encourage you as we talk a little bit about it today, let it be about relationships, but let it also be specific enough to change the one that you probably need changed more than any, else, and any, other, and any other one. Are you guys with me? Can I get an amen? Amen? Man, I tell you guys, I warn y'all all the time, if I don't get a good amen, I just go back. So can I get a good amen? Amen? All right, so some of you all are like, you're on my toes this morning. I don't like it. Don't make me say amen. All right, well, here we go. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going to our next slide. John chapter 13, verse 30, or 34 and 35, a little further down in the passage that Peter was reading. And let's talk about this for just a second. The setting is the very first time that Jesus shares this Last Supper with his disciples. And as he shares it, there's something that's going on. And we'll get to more in just a moment. But after he has shared the things that are going on, and after he has washed the disciples' feet, like what Peter read for us for just a moment ago, Jesus stands up, he gets from that place, and he begins to talk with his disciples. And as he talks with them, he shares different observations, different commands, different directives, and different insights. And this is something that he shares in verse 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can I just tell you that this is not just simply a pressure point that you feel but this is a pressure point that will magnify your testimony. If you have a testimony where you live a certain life and people respect you as a person who is a Christian and yet you are horrendous in your relationships, everything else gets blown up in their minds. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can't sit there and say, I'm such a, a, a passionate Christian, but I hate all of these other people. And I'm just so frustrated with every single person in my life. That is not how it works. But instead, it's a pressure point that magnifies that even though it's not easy, you are finding a way to love those people in your life, not because they are perfect, not because you agree all of the time, but because they are people. And as God cares for people and mankind, you also care for people and mankind. This magnifies your testimony in an 
important and powerful way. And so you can't just ignore it. You have to get in and get involved. And then here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, we've been talking a lot about it. But I've read this passage of scripture a number of different times. It says, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In other words, you and I are being built up because of our relationships and our connection to God and his family. And if we don't let that happen, if we don't begin to let that be changed in our lives, then we are struggling and we are losing ground where we are supposed to be. Now, let's talk about this very quickly. This is our something to learn as we go to our next slide here. When John alone, that means Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't talk about this, but when John alone recalls the actions of Jesus in the upper room after the Last Supper, he tells the story of him washing the feet of all the disciples, including who? Judas. Including Judas. It was necessary work that was caused by the dirt of the roads, the sandals that were worn. It was almost always work that was done by a servant. Now, if I put all of you in front of a microphone right now, and I said, name the 12 disciples. How many of you think that you could actually do it? Any of y'all? Any of y'all? Listen, I went to Bible college. I'm not sure I could do it. I know. Y'all are judging me. I feel it. I feel it. I get it. But could you do all 12? Maybe, maybe not. But the one guy that you would not forget that was in the upper room, his name starts with a J and ends with the Jesus, right? I mean, you know, the main character is Jesus. So there's 12 disciples in Jesus at minimum. There's 13 people in the room. You know who should have been on the first, second, third, fourth, all the way down to the 12th line of the people who would volunteer to wash the disciples' feet? Every name that you and I can't remember. And number 13 would have been who? Jesus. But that's not how Jesus saw it. That's not how Jesus lived. That's not what he practiced. He didn't say, all 12 of y'all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. One of us is the son of God, and then there's y'all. <laughs> he didn't say it that way. He didn't live it that way. And here's what's even better. He didn't feel it that way. The love that he had for them overwhelmed his disappointment that they thought they were too good to do what he was about to do. I'm gonna say that one more time. The love that he has for you and for me overwhelms his disappointment that we think we're better than what he is willing to do for people just like us. It's important that we not lose sight that if you were at that table, if I was at that table, I'd have been one of those people going, I wonder who's gonna wash the feet because it's sure not gonna be me. And then when Jesus picked up the towel, when Jesus picked up the basin, when Jesus started going from person to person, I'd have been like Peter and been like, Lord, whatever you do, please don't do that for me. Please don't do that. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed that you, the great Jesus of Nazareth, would be bending down and acting like you're my servant. Please don't do you see? You see how things shift and how different it is how we want to be and how Jesus was. That's why there's a big difference between us 
as humans and him as fully God and fully divine. He didn't mind serving because he knew who he was. So let's talk about what we can learn from this. And let's go to our next slide. And this is where I want to begin. Here's where I want to begin. How do you move your relationships forward? You begin with your own identity. Now here's where I'm going to go back to meddling a little bit, okay? For some of us, we're so busy trying to prove who we are that we can't get out of our own way and serve somebody like we're supposed to. We're so busy proving that we're the smartest in the room that we can't be humble to say we've messed up. We're so busy pretending that we're the important one in the room that we can't kneel down and serve somebody who needs their feet washed. You see the difference between Jesus and us, right? And so here's what I want to ask you. How long will it be for us as Christians to where we finally realize that if Jesus was willing, then it sure isn't going to be too low for me to go. If Jesus was willing to do that for anyone else, I sure can do that for anyone else. Because it's so important for us to grasp and understand it begins with our own identity. And if it's first and foremost about me being a son of God and a child of the Savior and a Christ follower, then I have to follow his example, not just simply those things that I'd like to do. And so let me just share this with you real quickly as we go through. I'm going to go a little deeper here on this, but let's talk about this to our next slide as we go forward. The person changed the most by your service to others is you. I want you to stop for just a second. That's probably not what you thought. That's probably not what you thought. You thought, well, I'm serving somebody else, so it's going to make their life better. Right? That's what we think. And it does make their life better. But guess who has changed more than any other person whenever you choose to serve somebody in the name of Jesus? It's not them. It is me. And it is you. How many of you guys would agree with that? Can I get an amen on that? Amen? Because I've done that. I've served somebody thinking I was doing something good for them and I walk away with the blessing and I'm like, you know what? I got it twisted around. That ultimately when Jesus said I was supposed to serve other people, he knew that was the pathway to change my life, not change their life or change their circumstances. And can I tell you something else? Guess who's hurt whenever you don't serve someone else? Guess who's hurt the most? Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this either. The person hurt the most by your lack of service to others is you as well. You might be saying, well, Randy, you know, I guess I just have to miss out on blessing because I'm not serving nobody. Not going to do it. Not going to go out of my way. Here's what I would say. Not only are you missing the blessing, but you are also missing the growth, missing the move forward, and you're the one who's hurt the most by your lack of service. You're the one. I'm the one. <laughs> we get it twisted around and we think we're bringing something to the table that we are not. But we're always walking away from something when we come to Christ's table because of what he has given, not what we brought in the first place. So it's so important that we understand that. All right, my time is moving forward very quickly, but let's keep moving here. And I do want to kind of get through these things. By the way, 
If you haven't noticed this, study reveals the biggest risk factors for early dementia. And guess what number one is? It's social isolation. I can't say that right. I've tried to say isolation like uh, five times. Isolation is what I'm saying. And I don't even think that's a word. As a matter of fact, I know that is not a word. Can y'all just hear what I'm trying to say and not what I'm actually saying? Y'all can laugh about it later. Uh, But yes, social isolation is the thing that causes early dementia in people. You know why I wanted to prove or share this with you? I wanted one more opportunity to prove to you we need each other. If the pandemic didn't show us anything else, it showed us a lot of things. But the most important thing is we were not built to be alone. There are dangerous things that happen when we are alone and when we choose to live in (laughs) isolation. Y'all think I'm trying to be funny. I'm not. I swear I'm not. And I swear I, I speak for a living, okay? So anyway, as we move forward, social isolation is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Thank you. It's, it's me and you. It's just me and you paying attention right now. I just want you to know. So again, where are we here? Let's go to our next slide as we do. Let's think about who Christ is as we keep going there, if you don't mind. Um, that, this is important. We begin with our own identity, And did you notice what Peter read a minute ago? Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, kind of like a coat or a cloak, and as he laid those things aside, he took a towel and he tied it around his waist, and then we go on and he begins to wash their feet. In other words, Jesus is fully aware of exactly who he is And it prompts him to serve, not to sit back and say, serve me. For most of us, we don't get who we actually are. If we did, we would say, I am a Christ follower, and because of that, I do what Christ did. And I follow his lead, and I serve, period. All right, let's keep moving. I need to cover a lot of ground here. But you can see this Martin Luther King quote, which I think is incredible. He says, Jesus knew that the old eye-for-eye philosophy would leave everyone blind. So he didn't seek to overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. Although crucified by hate, he responded with aggressive love. For you and for me, in our relationships, way too often we're doing eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth, blow-for-blow, wound for wound, lash for lash, and we think that we're somehow making sure that we're not getting run over. And yet the person who made the biggest impact in the world gave himself away, let himself be treated in any way that they would like because he said, if I instead will give myself and lay down my life, the Father will honor me and in the process change everybody's life. And he came Uh, He overcame being crucified by hate with aggressive love towards those who did not deserve it. Let's keep moving as we go on here. So let's talk about a little further. Colossians there says we need to bear with one another. We need to forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us. And then it keeps going and it says, and above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you are not experiencing harmony in your relationships, 
it begins with you and I making the conscious decision to put on love, not because they deserve it, but because we know who we are in Christ and we are called to be people who are Christ's followers and we follow his example, not our own desires in the moment. Let's keep moving. As we go to our next slide here, moving forward in our relationships, we show up to serve them and not for ourselves. And we talked a little bit about how... uh, He served even Judas, not because he deserved it, but because he was there to serve all. And I won't go too much further because of my time being a little short, but as we see here, he served every person, not just those that deserved it. Let's go to our next slide. And then here on our third moving relationships forward, we must learn how to communicate better. And let me just share this with you. If you're a person who sees that slide and you're like, you know what, man, I tell you, I just can't really, I don't really know the right words to say. I mean, I just get tongue-tied. I get, I never seem to know exactly how to say the right words. Here's what I want to share with you. You can communicate a ton without ever saying a single word. Now, I could give you tons of examples, but I just want you to, Everybody look at me for just a second here. And I'm going to, I mean, just see if I'm happy or what the emotion is if I do this. Am I happy? No. Am I frustrated? Am I aggravated? Am I disappointed? You know, all of these things. I didn't say a word, and yet you read me loud and clear. Now, if I need to convey to my wife that I'm listening to her and that I'm valuing her, I'm not going to do it by saying, no, go ahead, I'm listening. I didn't say a word. And my word said I was listening. My body said, nah, not at all, right? So if you're a person who is struggling to reach your kids, you have to figure out a way not to say the right words, but to explain to them with all the things that you're doing. You know, I I had girls. I had teenage girls. And so it was hard for me sometimes to reach to them because we spoke very different languages. But the language that all of my girls spoke is when I would tell them, come over here and give me a hug. (laughs) Come over here and give me a hug. Come over here. Now, that may, may not work for you if you got boys. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. But I know for my girls, it always worked. And even if you're like, Dad, I don't have time. No, no, no. Come over. Come on. Come over. You know. And then I'd give them a hug. And then by the end of it, like, I'd be done with them. And I'd kind of release. And they'd have this smile on their face like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know. I, ex- I expressed to them my love and my concern for them through no words. Uh, There's a a slide here, and I want to just put that up because of how we communicate. We think we've got to know the right words, but most of the time it's not the right words that are keeping you at a distance from them. It's the... It's the... It's the... I'm not saying anything, but y'all are getting my preaching, aren't you? It's communicating them where they are. Do your very best to communicate where those relationships actually fall. 
and just, well, I'm not even going to go on anymore, but I just hope you will understand 7% words versus these other percentages for the way that you communicate. Let's keep moving. I do need to try to hit these very quickly. This, I've been talking about elements of success all throughout this entire forward series, and here's what I would say. If you want your if you want your relationships to have a touch of the supernatural, you can't simply do what comes naturally, okay? If you want your relationships to have a touch of the supernatural, you can't just simply do what comes naturally to you because it just doesn't work that way. And so you be intentional, you put into a new practice and you selflessly serve your kids, your other relationships, your wife, your husband, your spouse, whatever it might be. And we're moving on. I, I know I'm just about finished with my time. I'm gonna hit these very quickly. Let's go to our next slide, please, if you don't mind. And so here, um, I know that that sometimes goes back and forth. We begin by maintaining our relationship as our highest goal, and we never lose sight of that. No matter what argument you've had, the most important thing is that they still walk out knowing they are your important child and that they are a relationship that you value, whether that's your parents, your spouse, or whatever it might be. You might have to agree to disagree, but you make sure that as they leave, they know that you value them above all other things. That's your relationship first and foremost, and then worry about winning the argument later. Let's keep moving here as we go to our next slide. Let's go to our next slide. I've already talked about living in perfect harmony. And this is what we, I would say. We have to decide what we're going to choose to be our first goal, to be right, to win the argument, or to have harmony in our own heart and our life. Let's keep moving as we go to our next slide. We state our intent and our intensity. This is something that I learned from Peter. Uh, did a phenomenal favor for Shelly and I. Because the truth is, is that sometimes Shelly and I, we're speaking in different languages, going in different directions. And whenever she says one thing, I think this is what she wants. And then later she says, I don't want that. What I want is this. How many of you have ever been brainstorming with somebody and they think you're talking about changing your whole life? Can I, can I see your hands, right? You know, we've done that. Shelly and I, she's like, I'm just brainstorming here. I'm like, oh, I thought you were talking about selling everything that we own and moving to a convent, right? So no, it's not that. And then the intensity is I'm living and dying on this hill or I don't really, you know, I'm not giving my whole self to this, but at least want to have a discussion about it. And so you state your intent and you state your intensity, how much you feel this. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. And uh, I believe it is pay attention to the other parts of your communication. And I've already talked about that. So let's keep moving. Is the next one our mini movie? Or, all right, very good. I apply by and, and the mini movie. So here we go. We identify our goal and its parameters. I would encourage you set a keystone goal because it will make a biggest difference in your life. But let your relationships find their way to first place. I, I'm, I'm older. I'm older than many of you. Some of you, you can identify exactly with what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, you think your relationships will always be there and then they change and you can't get them back anymore. So here's what I would share with you. While you have time, make sure that the most important things in your life are not things, but the people that you still have a chance to pour into and receive from and do everything that you possibly can do to serve them. 
Let's go back to the upper room. And Jesus says, tomorrow will be a very difficult day for you. But I want you to know that this is one of the lasting memories. Remember my body, which is broken. Remember my blood, which is shed. And remember to love one another and do it in a tangible way. Now, I love that John was the one who wrote this. I love that it shows up in John because it's very clear that to the gospel of John, he wrote and he said, hey, I want you to make sure that you knew what happened on that final night. Jesus, the Son of God, before he faced his hardest and most difficult 24 hours, he stopped everything and served me and served the other disciples. So you can call him whatever you want to call him, but I know this, where I needed him to serve me, he served me. This is why Jesus is so incredible. He's not some great far-off leader. He is the one who sees your need and humbly comes to you wherever you are and serves you with whatever you need from him in the moment. So here is what I encourage you. Be that way in your relationships and the impact will never cease. It will always be there. Maya Angelou said, people will forget what you said, but they will never forget the way that you made them feel. And Jesus serves those disciples that needed him to do that very thing. And he did so with a willing heart. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and make sure to set a reminder to check and adjust on those things that you've set as goals. Okay, so I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I have a mini movie as we bring this to a close. So let's check it out.